You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Look at me. I'm your waifu now. Hello and welcome to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast with Hypnopotamus Rex and Carmen Ranger. What's going on? This episode is sponsored by TokuToyStore.com. Do you want to recreate Gosei's command center? Toki Toy Store has enough Ranger Keys for that. They've got Ranger Keys coming out of the cupboards. The guys pour their cereal, they've got Ranger Keys pouring out. You're doing them a service. Yeah, just buy them, take them off their hands. This episode we'll be discussing a lot about current events and our general gripes about tokusatsu, which Ranger will be very, very happy to oblige in. Oh boy, howdy. Before we get into current events, we'll talk about our current progress in tokusatsu that's currently going on. Mm-hmm. So, mainly Q-Ranger, episode 3, finished. Aye, aye. And, well, of course we've got the typical evil Ranger who will inevitably become the good guy. The edgy Ranger. Funnily enough, he's orange. Nothing much edgy about that. Yes, because everyone knows that orange is the colour of the deviant. This is my original character orange the hedgehog do not steal well obviously yeah i think that's what they intended for battle cossack it always annoyed me that battle cossack was not the red ranger edgy orange ranger aside another character was introduced i can't remember his name but from now on we will call him dragon pimp absolutely it's um uh L- L- long power zhao long power something like that joe longbow I-, I-, I don't know He's chinese dragon, dragon dude just like a pimp walks like a pimp, he's a pimp. Chinese dragon dude. Pimpin. It ain't easy. His introduction was interesting. He's obviously the semi-incompetent leader whom Raptor oh, yeah. would have a stomach ulcer over. <laughs> and it, just the way he introduced the new gimmicks. Hey, like, just take these balls. Yeah, basically what he did in that episode was, hey, you guys have your Qtamas, fantastic. Just have some more. Lumps a bunch on a table, have some new toys, kids, whatever. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to think of a, a funny thing for us to say because we need puns making it rain yeah <laughs> imagine him doing that with a space just, stripper just, just chucking balls at her yeah just <laughs> dodge dodge it's like, make it hail it's like that guy who threw his shoes at george bush that's <laughs> <laughs> no, interesting that um introduced in like one scene or usually taking like 15 episodes to introduce in another show oh look we must discover the power of each now nah, have these mate yeah we need to go there are loads of other cue balls we need to go find them oh hey here comes dragon pimp here you go kids have some balls Oh yeah, they didn't want to do what happened in Kamen Rider Ghost and have them forget the plot halfway uh, through. Yeah, they did that because um, like the head writer like um, left like four episodes in, so they had to change everything. Wow. Yep. Talk about backpedaling. More reasons to love Ghost. So as Q-Range goes, it's off to a pretty good start, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if Lucky is getting less annoying or if I'm just becoming more and more desensitized to his annoyingness, but I'm, he's growing on me a little bit more. But he does still feel a little bit like he, he doesn't belong in the episode. I don't know, I think, I think Dragon Pimp would have been a better replacement for um, Lucky in this episode, where he's kind of trying to t- uh, tell Champ not to give into revenge so much. Lucky feels more like a character voiced by the GM in an RPG, <laughs> because he's saying, oh, guys, you should go this way. And with this, Lucky's logic is kind of flawed, because it's like, oh, he's not your enemy, even though he killed your father for the sake of it. Don't hate him, I guess. He's like Space Justin Trudeau. If you kill your enemies, that means they win. <laughs> Ooh, topical. But no, like I said, the whole thing of, you know, no champ, don't give into your, uh, into your vengeance. I would have liked it more if that was um, Dragon Pimp saying that, as uh, showing he's still a bit yeah. feckless and yeah, a bit goofy as a mentor, but can still pull through for his underlings. I would have given him some authority rather than Lucky just doing his shtick of, hey, listen to me, I'm Lucky, I rolled natural 20s all the time. <laughs> I'm a less charismatic version of Gentaro. I'm just waiting for Raptor to have her bit because... 
Oh, yeah, like I love fun, Raptor. So she is great. Yeah. She dropped from orbit just to give him a Q-Tama. Uh, that's pretty nice of her. You can tell she's very much business-oriented and just wants to get the work done, but she's not completely up herself. Even though she's a pink, she's actually closer to a female blue than anything else. Oh, yeah, else. absolutely. Funnily enough, she is voiced by a past female yellow. Voice actress it was um, Gokai Yellow. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've got to listen to that again. Hammy, yeah, uh, placeholder female character. Yeah, she doesn't really have much going for her. She's just kind of annoying and a little bit mean sometimes, you know? Female green, woo, space chef dude. The hell's his name? <laughs> uh, Sparda. Sparda. What, what is Sparda? I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it's a joke or means something. Sp- what does Hammy mean? She's a chameleon. I, uh, well, lo- logic. It's, it's not a pun. It's not a pun. The Japanese have made something that isn't a pun in a kid's show. What is this? It's supposed to be a pun. They've got to mock the English language. This isn't the Japan we know and love. What on earth is wrong? They must be really sick. This is the worst timeline. But. Champ had a, uh, a really great uh, episode this time around, I think. Gave him a little bit more depth. And it proves that not all androids dream of electric sheep. No, they dream of their creators being brutally murdered by a scorpion, man. The guy was also a three-time wrestling champion. Right. All the more reason to love him. I mean, seriously. Okay, you're here to save the world, but just be a wrestler as well. Yeah, I mean, was that meant to be like training for him saving the world, or is that just like a hobby he had on the side? I hope for the Power Rangers adaptation, they have him voiced by John Cena. They just need a voice acting role, and they don't need to stick him on screen because people will be like, oh no, it's the internet meme, you can't see him. (laughs) Funny enough, it's Hammy that you can't see. Yeah, again, she needs some development in her. Oh yeah, she's definitely going to get like a uh, focus episode in a couple of episodes time, just to kind of flesh her out and explain why she's so petty. You know, I, I don't know, maybe it's just her quirk, but she just comes across a little bit too mean for me. Like she'll just kind of mock someone a little bit needlessly, you know? And it isn't in the constructive stick-up-the-butt style that Raptor has. Maybe I'm just being a bit too hypersensitive, but it just seems a little bit weird to have her in there, and it just, she just seems like the odd one out in the team so far. Yeah. As a character, Stinger really needs a bit of development going on because Absolutely. he's just, ooh, baddie, thief kind of dude, but sort of neutral and ooh. Yeah, because he's not really siding with the villains so much because he'll happily uh, mow them down as well if they get in his way. What I'm scared of is that in a future episode it's going to be explained that he didn't actually kill the professor and he was set up or it was someone who looked just like something like that. And he's not going to be like a bad guy who turned good. He's just going to be some idiot who was framed and didn't have the sense to say, no, actually, I didn't kill that person. Champ says he could recognise him, but both were completely disguised, and there should be a whole race of these scorpion tail blokes. Yeah. It's a bit racist. Plus, it was uh, it was night, it was raining, and the guy, for the most part, had his face covered up. Champ is a racist. <laughs> racist robot. All scorpion men look the same. Next up, we have Kamen Rider X-8. No, hang on, we haven't been watching it. We don't hate ourselves that much. Yeah. Yet. Eventually, we are going to catch up with it, but we don't we don't want to just yet. It, it brings us no joy. Once we can afford enough whiskey. Moving on, we've got some current events going on. Oh boy, almost news. Yes, it's revealed that the number gimmick that's been going on since decade did not in fact end with Forza. It continued. Much to my dismay, I have long been one of those people who have been saying that the number gimmick ended with Forza after they stopped doing the numbers of gimmicks. And for those who aren't initiated, essentially the number of transformation devices increases by one every time. So a decade, it's like one card with double, it's like two memories with O's, you've got three medals with Forze, there are four switches. With Wizard, isn't it supposed to be the five fingers? Yeah, five fingers on the hand. Then after that... Then it's with Gaim, where the lock seed forms a six. 
with drive. It's the shift car forming a seven. Yeah, if you twist the end around, it kind of makes it look like a seven. See, this is the kind of thing that makes you think, maybe not. With Ghost, it was that icon power-up thing where uh, like the top of it looked like an infinite thing, so you took it on the end, it looked like an eight. And now we've got the Gashats, which look like a nine. But uh, according to an interview that Bandai said, apparently it was not intended to look like a nine. And when people pointed out, they were like, oh, hey, that works. Yes, it's a number nine. Which leads me to assume that the number gimmick did indeed end with Forza, and now they've just realised they messed up by uh, not really doing much with it, and they're like, yes, yeah, all, all these fan theories that we're taking credit for, those are real. I can't prove this. That's just what I think. That's my suspicion. Now I'm just wondering how on earth they'll fit a 10 into everything. Is it going to be like an X, or are they just going oh, yeah, to be an X. hang themselves at the end? <laughs> like, no, we can't take this. There's no, there's no conceivable way we can do this anymore. We're just going to end it. There goes the Kamen Rider series. Next up in news, Kamen Rider Amazons and a couple of other uh, Toku movies have been nominated for Action Awards this year. Kamen Rider Amazons has been nominated for the Best Action Award, and a few of the other movies have been nominated are Cutie Honey Tears, The Ninja vs. Tokuja, the movie, Kamen Rider 1, and Dobit Sentai Juoja Circus movie. That was quite an interesting one, because they try to fit in so many Sentai references. You did miss out that they also nominated the Ghost movie. Oh boy, yeah, Ghost. Yay! The only thing I liked about the action in Ghost is the wire work stuff they do. They kind of float Ghost around and make him look all spooky. You it's... mean during that one scene at the end of the drive movie? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. But that's always the way with these early cameos. The rides, the ranges always look way cool and they always do this weird thing that they never repeat in the show proper. Because they never have the budget. Yeah, I mean, they do the kind of floaty thing in a couple of movies and a couple of times in the show that I think I remember. But other than that, it's not as often as I would like. It seems that Amazon had several nominations, including Best Action Scene. Well, the whole show is really good and it's full of great action scenes. Uh, the three suit actors who played Alpha, Omega and Sigma have been nominated for awards as well, as has Canon Miyahara, who played Nozomi Taki, has been nominated for the Best Action Actress Award. Having said though, in Kamen Rider Amazons, there isn't much competition for action actresses. She's the only one who does any action in it. Or in Rider stuff in general. I mean, it's not that there aren't women in the show, it's just that they don't really do much action aside from her. I think the most prominent female action role, including actual violent stuff, had to be in double with Shotaro getting hit in the head with a slipper. <laughs> Next up we have Kamen Sentai Go Rider. I'm so excited for this. I'm not sure if I like it or not. I mean, I like the concept. We've got the full team revealed now. It's just the suits. I mean, I'm, when I first saw it, like it's a bunch of um, Kamen Rider rangers, I thought, you know, maybe it's going to be a one-off thing. I mean, are they all going to be voiced by Hiroshi Fujioka? If that's true, does that mean that Momo Rider is going to be him doing a false set? Oh, I could only have hoped. <laughs> I love the aesthetic they've got with the Go Ranger style costumes. It kind of clashes a bit for me, but I mean, it's not bad. It's weird, you can tell like the mask and the chest plate don't really match with the rest of the suit. I don't mind too much because it feels like a cute homage. It's going back to a simpler time, even though the plot is like, hey, you guys should be dead and there's a conspiracy behind the scenes. Welcome and stuff. back, folks. So without further ado, let's go on to the cast. Kamen Rider Laser is joining the crew, presumably as the Yellow Ranger. Nothing says Ranger like a bike. <laughs> Kamen Rider Baron is joining as well. I'm assuming he's the Red Ranger. I think he's the yellow. Is he? Well, Laser's more yellow than Baron is because Baron's got more red going on for him. Hmm, we'll have to find out. Yeah. Kamen Rider Marika is playing, presumably, the pink uh, rider, Ranger. What are they? Are they riders or rangers? Well, technically they're riders. I think only the whole fact that they're a Sentai. It's probably going to be something that makes more sense in context, but these are all riders. Why are they in a Sentai now? Well, what's better, one rider or five of them? And next up is another Agito, as a presumably 
arguably the Green Ranger, and it's weird seeing him back, you know, it, I'm not complaining, it's nice, I like the suit, even if the eyes are a little bit too small for me. Organic Rider doing the non-organic retro thing, interesting. Mm-hmm. And Blade is back as well. Hopefully there are no nude scenes. <laughs> oh no, 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 not again. I think we're both looking forward to Go Rider, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I want to see what they do with it. I don't want to see why people are getting miffed about it. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, despite my misgivings, I'm not miffed at all by it. I'm I'm definitely going into this with an open mind. I love seeing anything coming back that uh, references the showish stuff. Definitely. It's a welcome return to values that have been forgotten recently in Tokusatsu. Another thing that's happening recently is uh, Hideaki Anno hosting a Tokusatsu history panel. This is something I really, really hope someone films and someone subtitles, because I'd be really interested to hear what he has to say, because he's even more of a Tokusatsu fan than uh, we are. Well, the guy made himself known with an anime about giant robots. Of course, <laughs> he's going to be a massive fan. When he was at university, he also, for a project, made a short fan film featuring himself as Ultraman. Ah, yeah, it's a pretty neat one. That's cute. Yeah, he also, uh, as a student, made himself a Kamen Rider costume, so you can tell the guy's pretty serious about his Toku. Oh, that's a beautiful geek. Mm. Should have known this man when he was younger, dear lordy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a, a joke floating around a while ago that if you look inside Anno's head, you'll just see him being controlled by a mini Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get in the Anno, <laughs> or Ultra 7 will have to do it again. <laughs> if anything, if any uh, transcripts or anything like that comes up, we'll definitely be reading them just to hear his thoughts. I'm uh, not too fond of some of the things he's done, like uh, his changes made to Godzilla, but I do respect him as a fellow Toku fan. Oh, definitely. From a professional such as him, this is going to be very insightful. Mm, absolutely. Especially since he's been in it for, for decades. We're getting uh, more material about uh, X-Aid's... Is that his mid-season? Yeah, it's his mid-season power-up. And it's, I mean, any goodwill that I may have built up towards the show over these last few months is gone. It's all gone. I hate it again. I absolutely hate it. It's ugly, and I just, if anything is going to kill me, it's going to be this. With those who don't have visual sensory organs, essentially he is wearing a bulky, larger version of his face on his torso with massive bulky shoulder pads. It hurts me inside. He just looks like a new Overwatch skin. Nerf this. Please. Have you seen the little gash hat for it? I haven't. It's got a little little X-Aid face that pops up when you plug it in. Who, who who authorized this? Who said who looked at this design and said, Yes, this is good. I think it was designed after Pierce Morgan's ego. See now I almost want to watch a uh, Pierce Morgan Rider show. That would be absolutely horrible, only if he gets to fight Simon Cowell. <laughs> Next up we have an insight into the first upgrade for Shishi Red from Q-Ranger. He's a pretty pretty Pegasus. That's right, it's based on the Pegasus constellation and it's a pretty funky looking chest piece, hmm. though from the look of it he won't really be able to move his arms forward at all. Oh no, not at all. Up and down and back. Oh, I suppose that uh, suits being a Pegasus, you'll be just be able to flap them up and down and that's about it. But if you've got a wing-like thing, won't it be better on the back so you can move your arms? I suppose he doesn't want to cramp pink style. It's uh, it's interesting. It's it's not terrible. It's not particularly bulky either, which I, I like actually. Uh, it's not quite like um, Duo Eagles um, upgrades, which are pretty much just new suits. But it's not you know too obtrusive. It's not like a battleizer or anything like that. Yeah, it looks nice and technological. Fits in with a the theme, and at least oh, there's yeah. something visual, unlike the Gemini one. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't clash at all or anything like that. So I'm I'm fine with this. I'm, I'm on board. And finally, we have some information on the soundtrack for the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. And we're going to have a, an orchestral version of the Go Go Power Rangers song. I'm excited. See, this is where my saltiness comes out again because I'm skeptical as I am with this whole film. I'm not sure if Go Go Power Rangers really lends itself to orchestral well. You know what I mean? 
they'll find a way. They need to stick it in everything because they think that's what makes a show successful. Oh, Look at Ninja Steel. No, thank you. It's also got a, uh, a cover of Sympathy for the Devil in it as well, so hey, maybe not all is lost. One thing I've found is also the Ranger keys that they've made for this. Oh yeah, I, I think that might be a fan-made thing. But oh, either, they fan-made? I think so. Either way, though, those look really good, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind them. They look pretty neat. Oh, that would be so cool. Hmm. Imagine a Balkan Skull Ranger key. <laughs> like one for each. No, it's Gaia Memories. <laughs> Someone Baruku! Skaru! <laughs> Someone please do that, make bulk and skull memories. Oh, you already have the skull one. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like, you know, da 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 <laughs> So one half would just be skinny, the other half would be fat. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have, like, full-on statuettes like they did with Fang. <laughs> <laughs> you know you guys want this. So that's our discussion of current events over with. Now we're just moving on to a few general opinion pieces and overall shooting the toss about what we love and what we hate. For those who have watched Kamen Rider Forze, they may have learned later in the series that the battlesuit was designed as a tool for space exploration, so that the wearer may explore the stars and make peace with alien races and stuff. The problem is, why then is it armed to the teeth? Well, yeah, you gotta watch out for, for space. The thing has guided missile launchers. Yeah, you gotta be careful of that space. On the legs. On space. On space. Yeah, you gotta be careful for space, it'll attack you. I mean, the rationale for the leg-mounted Gatling gun was explained during the Forze movie, as he was shown using it on the motorcycle, so he didn't need to use his hands. That made perfect sense, but why would he be using a motorcycle in space, and why, if it's going to be friendly, why, why is it armed like that? Well, if you could do it, why wouldn't you? Well, a lot of the tools are also used likely for terraforming purposes, like you've got the great big scoop thing for digging and all that stuff, but then why, why is the chainsaw on the leg? Why do we need to kick a tree down? The only reason for this is shown in the first episodes. It's for chainsaw roundhouse kicks. Chainsaw roundhouse kicks. Look, if you could make something that was capable of chainsaw roundhouse kicks, why wouldn't you do it? We've made a bad decision, Ranger. We should have called this podcast Chainsaw Roundhouse Kicks. You think it's too late to change it? We'll find out. Listen, this suit is not designed for exploring the universe. This thing is designed to fight Chuck Norris. <laughs> it's the only explanation. And even then it will still fail. See, it's interesting that you bring that up because it's, it is very similar to Super 1 with his uh, five hands. Those were, those were all, um, those had all explanations for different things they could do. And all all of them in the end just get used for killing monsters in different ways. Like uh, when he when he gets his uh, the electric hands after the initial test, the first thing he does is turns to a bush and sets it on fire with electricity. He just wanted to recreate Bible stories. I've been catching up with uh, V3 recently since I uh, finally got the episodes, and I was recently watching the uh, the introduction of Rider Man, and it's it's a weirdly sweet episode. It starts off with him being um, framed for undermining Destron's plans. And all, you know, all the generals are having this meeting and they call up Great Leader and saying, Oi, Mush, we want to kill this bloke. And Great Leader's just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care, just just, just do it. Didn't Great Leader adopt Rider-Man, though? Yeah, yeah, he did. And that's why uh, Rider-Man was so loyal. Now, it's 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 kind of sad because when um, yeah when they come to arrest him, all his underlings, all his scientists' underlings are like, No, don't, you know, don't take him. We like him. He's nice to us. And they uh, go above and beyond to um, 
hide him and kind of repair him and fix him up and give him a bionic arm and stuff like that. Very Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. I'm going to try and work on a Rider-Man skin for MGS5 now. See, it, it's funny that he was, uh, in Spirit it was revealed that he uh, landed in Tahiti after the um, after the bomb at the end of uh, V3. He's the only rider I think that's had a holiday after his show just to kind of, uh, just kind of take a break. While telling them that he's obviously there for investigative purposes. I've always wanted to uh, get a Rider-Man helmet and wear it with one of my Hawaiian shirts and just go as Tahiti Rider-Man. <laughs> you get like a cocktail Put yeah, something like a, in, like, uh, a yeah, coconut like a... shell with a few umbrellas in it. Oh, that would be fantastic. And then, oh, no, no, we should get you a, um, a V3 helmet and have you wear a T-shirt saying, my best friend went to Tahiti and all I got was this T-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did he justify it to the other riders? Because they were probably in contact. Oh, Destron still have some roots in Tahiti, guys. I'm, I had to, I've got to uh, find where they are. I don't know, I, was, uh, I wasn't having a holiday. I, Destron was there. I had to beat some monsters. He I says have... with his tan and uh, a bunch of lays on his neck and stuff like that. Oh, I was infiltrating this group of dancing girls. I definitely wasn't trying to make out with all of them. What's this? Oh, no, maybe the secret will be found at the bottom of this cocktail. No, gotta get another one. Oh, would you look at that? Uh, uh, Hawaii needs me now. Oh, no. Bye, guys. I'm, Ch- cheerio. I'm gonna in- infiltrate a surfing competition. Right, a man just loves his holidays, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he's the only one that's not called Carmen Rider. I think he's <laughs> and that's why. It. They'll only ever rec- respect him as a rider when he stops having all these damn holidays. He doesn't even have a proper full cyborg conversion, it's just an arm. No, he's actually one of the weakest riders next to uh, Deno's platform, which is interesting. He's like the Batman of the uh, of the seven legendary riders, because he relies on his... Um, on his different arms to help him out of scrapes. Yes, I find that quite strange because, you know, his hook arm thing? Uh, which one? Like the rope one? Yeah. Yeah. That should not be possible if it's just his arm that's been replaced because, hey, even though it might be some really strong material, the bone that everything is attached to, the meat of the matter, the part that's actually Rider Man, that will just break off as soon as sufficient force is applied. It's like he can't really lift anything bigger because he's still limited by his puny human skeleton and muscular structure. Get a load of this guy. He's trying to find sense in his karate bookman show. Ooh, look at me. I'm science and, and rationality. <laughs> I think science and rationality left the window and we started talking about spider mutant things. And Starfish Hitler. Starfish Hitler. May he always be remembered. So you were going on about Deno earlier, and hmm. you're quite fond of the base forms, aren't you, for riders? I, I do like the base forms, and I do wish they did more with them. I wish they'd... Um, yeah, I've said this before, I really want a um, like an episode where the rider is separated from like the gimmicks and all he has is like the base form to go on i think you know just for one episode i think it would be a really good opportunity to show that he has grown he's not just re- uh, relying on these superpowers he can still hold his own like how in uh, power rangers or super sentai when uh, the mooks give the rangers trouble to begin with but then like halfway through the show they're able to beat them up unmorphed well that's also true in game really because you do see them just beating up the Kurokage troopers out of armor. Mm. So it's implied that they learn the combat skills. It's more from technique rather than strength when it comes to the mooks. Deno's platform did look kind of cool because it's like, hey, there's tracks everywhere and everything slides in. Choo-choo. Shame it's useless. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Deno is best when he's being possessed by other people. And kind of makes you wonder where all those uh, little slidey things come from and why are they so perfect for the different imagine, you know? Hammer space. Yeah, true, true. The plot delivers them. Uh, the undersuits in Gaim were quite good because they were individually tailored for each rider. Yeah, those I really did like those. Like, um, like Gaim's was blue, Baron's was red. There were some combinations between the undersuits and the Loxies that didn't quite work well, though. 
That was because they were designed for the riders. You can tell in the visor because typically it has to match the yeah, same one. Yeah. So with Gaim, you got your strawberry, you got your lemon, all that stuff, and you can still see it in the visor because it's the same shape. Yeah. Whereas when they use other lock seeds, the visor is like replaced by the other one. Hmm. And it's not too great looking. Yeah, no, I mean, it's nice that they did that, just to show that, hey, these people can swap powers and stuff like that. But, you know, if it doesn't look great, you know, don't do it too often. I did like Ghost Space Form. It was a bit Daft Punk. Yeah, the base form was fine. It, uh, the Parker, though, it's still... still It's weirdly mundane for a... Uh, the Battle go- Parker. Yeah, it's weirdly mundane for, like, a ghostly spectre of a uh, of a hero. <laughs> yeah, the worst part is it's short-sleeved as well. Yeah, why would anyone wear that? You'd expect that to be worn by a Japanese guy who calls himself Chad. <laughs> Chadu-san. Chadu. <laughs> he steals your girl. <laughs> Surrounded by, I don't know, like, Gangaro women or something. <laughs> Still, the base form for Ghost does tie in with the designs for the Ganma, especially the foot troopers in them. Absolutely, you'd expect nothing, le- nothing else from a Kamen Rider show. And which it still does connect with the whole rider being linked with the baddies kind of thing. It does. Uh, the the suit kind of reminds me a bit of the riot troopers as well. You know, just in the uh, just in the visor, but it's I don't know, it's there. It, uh, it was a neat little nod, I thought. Yeah, I think for the riot troopers, it was because it was more of a neutral baseline. There wasn't anything there. Yeah, it was like with, a mass production model. And with Ghost Thing, it was like flavoring everything with souls. <clears throat> that sounded too badass for what the show actually was. Yeah. Especially considering the um, uh, the main rider is ginger, like he dyes his hair ginger. It's uh, it's weird that he should be going around taking other people's souls. <laughs> <laughs> Even funnier when his uh, default form is orange as well. <laughs> uh, now maybe I should give Ghost another go. This is pretty funny, actually. I now sympathise with this character. <laughs> Now, I've realised that we haven't really talked about Godzilla uh, in the last couple of episodes, so we're going to rectify that with Rex's favourite Godzilla film, Final Wars. You say that as if I loathe the thing, but I enjoyed it as a campy romp through most Godzilla conventions. Every time we've we've, met, we've talked about it together, you've, you've never really had much nice to say about it, though. Well, it was just there. It was okay, but it wasn't my favourite. The designs for the monster suits were iffy, because on the one hand, you had the great stuff like Gigan and Hedora, oh, well, those three seconds of Hedora, <laughs> but then you had Angurus, who was fat. Wow, that's a real Angurus! Oh, yeah, then they that had that Augustus... Canadian Augustus Gloop. <laughs> Yes, Canadian Augustus Gloom. What what was up with that? I mean, was that like one of the producers' kids? Like, I know some of them have Western producers attached. It's just a weird scene to add. It was Don Fry's son, probably. <laughs> Imply that any spawn of Don Fry would not have a thick, meaty moustache. He's the ginger stepson. And why was Don Fry in that film? I don't know. I think they wanted to get an American, but I don't think they could afford The Rock. <laughs> Imagine The Rock versus Godzilla. Oh, man. I mean, the, uh, the whole movie was... It's like a modern version of a Showa film, just kind of all... Yeah, with all the campiness of a Showa film and all the uh, attention to realism. Actually, that was definitely to its advantage, because they couldn't have gone the way of the dark, gritty Heisei method, and Millennium was too sparse to get yeah, something no to real, base on. Yeah, had no real continuity there, so they couldn't really base it off of anything like that. Apparently, Kiryu was meant to make an appearance in Final Wars, though. Really? Yeah, but then they replaced him with the Gotengo. I think that was the uh, the better option. I do love the Gotengo. Yeah, it wouldn't have suited that continuity well, and no. I do love it when they make nods to other films. Absolutely. It was nice seeing Manda back as well, even if it was just like 15 seconds. Oh, that was great. I yeah. did love Manda. Though, to be honest, my first experience with Manda was in Destroy All Monsters, which was essentially Final Wars, just show her. Doesn't Manda just sit off to the side watching the fight in that? Yeah. He's just like, yeah, go, go well, on. Yeah kick, yeah, kick his ass. 
I like, guess. It's like Varan and Baragon, they're just sitting in the sidelines, like, whatever. Wasn't that because the suits were too uh, too old or too ragged for that, or something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, it was, um, they swapped Baragon out for uh, Gorosaurus because the suit was too tatty from all the Ultra Man abuse it took. Pretty much. After it was returned by Subaraya Studios, the suit was so tatty, it wasn't even painted for its brief cameo appearance mm. in Destroy All Monsters. It was just there for a few seconds. They were like, okay, we'll stick that in. Hey, and you guys remember Baragon? Painful. I actually haven't seen Frankenstein Conquers the World. I need mm. to rectify this. Rabbi, I do have a um, a little Revoltech set from it, though. It's Baragon, and he's got a little, a little house there. He has a crack in the middle of it, like a... Indent, and I've got a couple of horses running away in trees. It's really nice, actually. Who would win a fight between Baragon and Pulgasari? Do you dare question any of the creations of Dear Leader? How how dare you? It's the Gulag with you. <laughs> to the Gulag. So, obviously, Baragon wouldn't win against the massive iron-eating rice and feces golem. I don't think Baragon would win against anything. When was the last time he won a fight? Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, he's like the Krillin of, uh, of Godzilla. He exists just to be defeated to prove a point. Yeah. It's unlike the trope in Star Trek The Next Generation, where Worf is the strong one who's defeated to show the baddie's tough. Baragon's just picked on for the sake of it. Yeah. Hey, look. Look at this puppy. Let's beat him. Oh, he was so adorable in GMK. Yeah. It's weird. He's one of the few um, monsters to be played by a female suit actress as well. I love that footage of oh. Baragon roaring and the actress inside is going, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, that's pretty cute. It's so adorable. It really fits Baragon looking like a puppy as well with those big floppy ears. I think the Godzilla suit actors should get a better reputation because oh, they go absolutely. through so much. Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, Nakajima almost died uh, several times filming the first film. I mean, these guys, like we said, you have to be a little bit unhinged to go through this stuff. Oh, definitely. Unlike in Rider and Sentai things where you're doing all these flashy stunts, no, you have to move like this and you might probably suffocate to death and people won't notice only a couple of hours after. Oh, you will suffocate. Maybe not to death, but suffocation is... it comes with the territory. Oddly relevant, I'd love to see if the kaiju suit graveyard's still around. Oh man, that is depressing. For those of you who don't know, there was this place where um, Toho just dumped a bunch of their old suits, and it's it's terrifyingly depressing to look at because you've got the, you know, like the Mechagodzilla suit, Titanosaurus suit. It's something very Five Nights at Freddy's about it, and I would love to make an exploration game based in the Kaiju suit graveyard, like if someone died in the suit. This yeah, is probably man. the spurgiest thing to come out of it, but, you know, it would be cool. It'd be interesting. It would be weird. I mean, it's these suits do not look good when they're rotting. They look like corpses, pretty much. Yeah. You'd think they'd build, build these things to last more, considering they take them out on live shows and things like that. I think, uh, wasn't it the 2000 suit that got the most use out of it? Really? Yeah, I think that was the one that rotted the uh, slowest. Crikey, because I know they normally have to be changed between films. Absolutely, yeah. One suit I just couldn't like was the one in Ibera Horror of the Deep. It just looked too floppy. Yeah, that film's a weird one for me. It doesn't really feel... And it kind of feels like it should be more just like an Ibira film rather than a Godzilla film, you know? felt like they stuck Godzilla in just for the sake of it because they had this whole new plot. It's like, here's this island, things are happening, things are big, then, oh, oh, oh it's look, Godzilla. Jo- yeah, it's it's like the um, Godzilla vs. Megalon where Godzilla was shoehorned into that one, but that one feels a little bit more natural with Godzilla's inclusion. This one, I don't know, I wouldn't have minded if it was just an Ibira film. I mean, was versus Megalon really more natural than versus Gigan? Godzilla doesn't show up <laughs> until 57 minutes in. Yeah, people complain about uh, the 2014 Godzilla film about uh, screen time, but at least he's in it earlier on than some of the Japanese films. It was mad. Here's just a bunch of Japanese actors running around doing their subplot, then only near the end of the film does Godzilla show up. 
Oh, hey, uh, do, you remember, do you remember Godzilla's meant to be in this film? Crap, just shove him in at the end. People may hate versus Hedora, but in that movie Godzilla showed up several times, and it was great because there was some proper kaiju screen time. People actually hate Hedora? I think they hated the film because it Why? wasn't too, it wasn't too great a film. It was very clumsily made. Yeah, but it was it was weird and it was different and you know it's it's worth your respect. Yeah, it was the first full Godzilla film I watched with Japanese dialogue and English subs, and it was good. It was weird. It was good. That poor cat. Oh yeah, they had Hedora attack a cat, yeah. and he was just not digested. He just got slightly wet and upset. Not that um, not that scene in Georgia when they introduced Gift. Oh yeah. The most evil thing Janice ever did was kill a cat. Oh, God, yeah, in that episode, they had that massive energy field. Yeah, and it just kind of erases the cat. The guy killed a cat. How could he? He is definitely the worst Sentai villain. Who killed a cat? Man. One subject that we haven't mentioned is the upcoming Kong Skull Island. Oh, boy, I'm... I'm really looking forward to this. I think this is going to be a really good film. I'm glad that the West is making King Kong and Godzilla popular again. Absolutely. Because they're obviously going to bring up Kong vs. Godzilla. They're building up to that. Oh, definitely. That's coming out in a couple of years. And I'm hyped. Mm. I did enjoy Godzilla 2014. It wasn't the best Godzilla, but it was okay. It was watchable, and it made me want more. And I'm looking forward to King Ghidorah. It had its faults, but it's probably one of the best um, Godzilla films out there. It's it's one of the most solidly put-together ones. They try not to make it so dark and edgy in Skull Island as it was in Godzilla 2014, because, hey, they've got John C. Riley in there. Mm. You can't have a dark film with him in. See, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, John Goodman in it. Oh, he's in it? Yeah, yeah, John Goodman and Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Uh, Tom Hiddleston's in it, weirdly enough. I Are they taking it in turns to voice Kong? <laughs> Funny enough, the role of Kong is uh, being mo- uh, done with motion capture by a man called Terry Notary, and it's... Not Andy Serkis this time. Weird. Why is it not Andy Serkis? He is Mr. Mocap. It's weird seeing someone doing motion capture that isn't Andy Serkis. Just why? Maybe this Terry bloke is like part of uh, Andy Serkis's company or something like that. I don't know. He's running Andy Serkis out of business. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. There are a load of monsters in it. I'm um, just looking at the list here. We've got King Kong. We've got Skull Crawlers, which are a reference to the two-legged lizard from the original film. Oh, I've never actually seen the original. Like, are we talking the original? Yeah, get, get taste, man. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Father. Call yourself a kaiju fan. I've never really watched King Kong. It just never came up. And <laughs> now I've le- I've earned the hate of the tokusatsu community. How dare I not know about giant apes? Reminds me of that one remake of some film they did in the 60s where instead of using stop-motion dinosaur props, they just got a bunch of lizards and dressed them up. You wouldn't have to be talking about Replicator, would you? No, no, nothing as fetish-focused as Replicator. Thank goodness, that was... Uh... An awful film. Let's never talk about that on this podcast again. Unless it's latex power armor. <laughs> oh, yes. Moving on, we've also got Mother Longlegs. Weird name, but I can see where they do it. The Skur Buffaloes. Psycho Vultures. I love it. That's going to be my new band name. Spore Mantis. Maya Squid. Godzilla Pony has a cameo. And according to this, Mothra has a cameo as well. That's very interesting. I love the names for the monsters because obviously John C. Riley made them all up. He got high <laughs> on the limo to film and he's like, okay, how about Skull Crawlers? And the writers look at him like, no, we had this actual name. No, do Skull it. Skull Crawlers and Spore Mantis. Psycho Vultures, that sounds so cool. They look more like bats. Oh man, it would be nice to call them like, uh, like Giant Condor or something like that, just as a reference to uh, the older Godzilla films. Yeah, though they aren't really that important because yeah. it's it's a Kong film. It's still more interesting than whatever the hell they did with the Peter Jackson's King Kong. I I liked that. The design of King Kong is what I think let it down. It is King Kong isn't meant to be a giant gorilla. He's meant to be 
his own kind of weird subspecies of great ape. I liked what they did with that because it was very ambitious. You can oh, tell absolutely. they put so much effort into it. Peter Jackson put his heart and soul into the film. Absolutely. Aside from a few... Um special effects malfunctions like the scene where they're running away from the dinosaurs and it's oh, very clearly a green God. screen man alive that was glaring I think they did a good job with it though I did really like it weird choice having Jack Black in there though yeah every Kong film seems to have some sort of B-grade actor doing a non-serious role you've got <laughs> Jack Black you've got John C. Riley, but who would win the fight I'll go for Jack Black he's got Kung Fu Oh, true. When it comes out, and it's coming out in, uh, I think it's either March 10th or March 9th in the UK, definitely going to be seeing it, and we're definitely going to be reviewing it. It's just going to be five minutes oh, of man. groaning, followed by, hey, Godzilla reference! <laughs> well, I mean, if this uh, this Mothra cameo is anything to go by, it's going to be something interesting. Well, Hopefully it's going to be more than just a little joke they had in the Godzilla film. Well, they're going to have to make it applicable to a wider audience, so they're probably going to have to pleb things up a bit. Uh... Not gonna, you're not going to get any deep deep lore references. It's just going to be like, hey, this is a thing. Oh, look, a moth. That's like another moth we have. I actually had a dream about how they would have presented Ghidorah in the legendary Godzilla. Oh, no. It started off kind of cool, where they were like, oh, no, Godzilla's attacking, and Ghidorah was more of a folk deity that they summoned. But instead of being this giant monster, it was this weird shaman-looking woman, and it was kind of crap. And it was the worst dream I had. Except for the one where I was eaten alive by a whale. That was kind of bad. Calm down there, Captain Ahab. So um, this pretty brings us on to the, uh, the monsterverse in general, and... This is probably one of the few uh, cinematic universes that I'm actually invested in anymore, because, well, I mean, I love me some giant monsters. What are your thoughts on it, Rex? Well, as a genre, it can't really die, because everyone loves a good giant monster fight every now and then. You can stick as many strong female leads, or any number of current social movements, or even dank memes into something, and it will still stand the test of time because it's a film with giant monsters. They can represent any metaphor, and it doesn't matter because there will be a bunch of nerds like, hey, let's see a lizard fight an ape. Yeah, I mean, of the films that have been announced so far that haven't been released yet, we've got Kong Skull Island, of course, and we've got um, Godzilla vs. King Kong, uh, Godzilla 2, I think they're calling that King of the Monsters. I'm perfectly okay with this. I'm down with this. Yes, and Rodan, and uh, Rodan King Ghidorah, and Mothra have been confirmed for appearances. And I think they've got a pretty solid cast of monsters so far, both uh, Toho and original. I am so hyped. My inner child is mm. squealing with joy. Oh man, it's gonna be, we're going to be seeing Rhoda and King Ghidorah and Mothra together again with Godzilla. It's going to be great. Yeah. I wonder if they'll ever come to do a sequel of Shin, because I want it to happen. I want to see this oh, view. You've got, on one hand, the Western version, which is something else... Then you've got Anno's version, which is the odd fever dream that brings together so many bizarre concepts and mashes it into Shin Godzilla. Exactly what you'd expect from the master, Anno. Yes. I wonder which Ultra was piloting him then. <laughs> I'm not too fond of the choices for Shin, but I'm fine with it being like a standalone deal. Imagine if they tried to bring other monsters in. Oh, no. I mean, how would he do King Ghidorah? Oh, no. It's... Oh, that's going to be awful. That'd be nightmarish. Exactly. Oh, uh, Shin Manda would just be Godzilla's tail splitting off and being its own monster. Oh, that is cool. I want to do this. I want to do this. That is that is some 90s level alternate stuff. Oh. I, I, I didn't mean to make that sound good. I meant to make it sound awful. It sounds so cool, though. It sounds so awful. It's body horror. It's Godzilla the Thing. Yeah, Not Godzilla wanna... versus the Thing. <laughs> Sword show a Mothra. <laughs> See, this is another thing I'm worried about. Are the Americans going to bring the fairies into Mothra in the MonsterVerse? Oh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. Because Maybe. that's saying that the uh, Japanese... It's its more 
in keeping with the Japanese kind of deal with their kind of spirits and kind of Shintoism kind of vibe they're going there for they're going on for there. But with American things, what are they going to do with it? Well, they could easily translate it into something else that doesn't involve fairies. They could have the whole dead civilization thing going on and then have someone reactivated and become some sort of avatar to Mothra able to communicate with her. Because that seems like something they could do going for the yeah. sympathetic to the monster sort of thing. It's not too hard to port. Yeah, I think out of all of them, the one that's most Western would be the... Uh, the Heisei kind of origin, where like uh, the fairies are like the remnants of a, uh, an old civilization that Batron messed up and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't see why there was all this hate in the film about Batra. It's like, oh, he's a baddie. Well, he's just the Earth having an immune response. Well, he's not so much bad as he is just kind of lawful neutral, I guess. Whoa, what's this? You're polluting the place. You're killing the environment so you can flavor your armpit sweat. The hell's wrong with you? You never heard of Roll-On? Captain Planet, he's a hero. I just want to see Captain Planet riding Batra. <laughs> now the uh, the Don Cheadle version of Captain Planet. <laughs> just turn everyone into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Best friends forever. I wouldn't mind seeing like a Western Batra though. I mean, he's edgy enough to kind of gel well with the Western audiences. I'd just love to see Western versions of Kaiju in general. Imagine mm. what they do with Gaigan. Oh man, that could be either really good or really bad. I'm just praying to Del Toro. It yes. needs Del Toro's love. Oh, man. The, yeah. Just bring Del Toro into the MonsterVerse, please. The Western kaiju scene must be brought about by the big fans, because yeah. otherwise it's going to be so sterile Absolutely. and bland. You can't and... make these things by committee. You have to have someone in there with passion. I mean, look at Pacific Rim. And could you imagine if that was made by committee? Oh, God. It's so bad. It's only as good as it is because Del Toro was there to be able to push through and make it how he wanted. It would have been like a kaiju suicide squad. Oh, uh, Part of me just died. You're welcome. Just a bit of my soul just fell off and disintegrated. So, do you think Legendary would try to make their own kaiju up? Oh, well, we've already seen the uh, the kaiju they've got for uh, Skull Island and the Mutos. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do much from here on out after they've um, announced um, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah. Um, maybe they'll try to adapt more uh, Toho stuff. I'd like them to. I'd... I kind of like, I love seeing, like, uh, alternate interpretations of characters we already know. Yeah, they definitely do have a large roster to work on, and they could adapt a lot of it, because Muto was more of an introduction to it. Yeah, it was like a placeholder, like, hey, we want Godzilla to stand on his own, we don't want him overshadowed by the other ones, let's just create these two basic monsters, yeah, they'll do, just call them Muto. It's a bit like the Marvel movies where they're trying to introduce each character first before going into the great big cluster yeah. films. Yeah, introduce them with like a, yeah, a villain no one cares about, like Ironmonger or someone like that. It's like, boom, you're part of the character development, done, bad guy out of the way, fully developed hero, let's stick like, him with the Now we can do rest. something more interesting. Let's make the Avengers. And kill all the villains so no one cares about them. Then go too far and Robert Downey Jr. will be, play- <laughs> will be playing everybody. <laughs> when do you think that Legendary will inevitably reboot again? Oh, like the, uh, for like a monsterverse type thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think we're anywhere near that point, actually. I think, um, I don't know, give it a couple of decades and then they'll be like, oh, hey, we still have this license we can use. Let's cash in on it. Yeah, it seems like they'll churn out a few fairly decent monster films, leave it for a few decades, and they'll be like, okay, let's bring it back again. We'll feign some nostalgia. Oh boy, hey, remember this? All 11 minutes of Godzilla and uh, Godzilla 14. I've always wanted a uh, like a free roam open world Godzilla game. Like uh, you can just wander around different uh, different maps, and every so often, if you cause enough damage, uh, the uh, the military will turn up and attack you and stuff like that. And if you do enough, 
then like they'll call in mechs of um ascending efficacy so like it starts off with like the super x and goes on to morgera then moves up to uh, mecha godzilla or something like that that does sound interesting, although, frankly, the scale of Godzilla would make it a bit more difficult, because you're a massive kaiju, so people would be watching you all the time, so it wouldn't be too great. I'd be thinking more of a post-apocalyptic thing with monsters, like you trying to escape them every now and then, yeah. and then you've got the smaller versions attacking you, like with those bugs from 1984. Oh yeah, what are they called? Shakiris or something like that, the uh, weird water lice thing. Yeah, or like those little legion spawn in that camera movie oh what about those mini um mini destroyer things the uh, the alien ripoffs oh man those were great but it yeah. was just an obvious alien ripoff i mean i'm not complaining they were pretty cool but do they do they have to use the uh, little secondary mouth thing as well yeah do they, do they have to go that far that was a great concept actually oh yeah i do love the uh, secondary mouth things but you know alien did it first and did it best so everyone's gonna associate it with that but the Japanese put their own spin on it by having them combine to form one large one. <laughs> and it's I'll like, form the head. It's like a biological megazord. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, speaking of biological megazords, what do you make of the uh, design for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie? It looks way too organic to me. It's not the organic thing that gets to me. It's the fact that it just looks like a mess. It yeah. just looks too much like a single thing that the original Zords don't really become part of. Ironically enough, it looks more like a man in a suit than the original Megazord did because it's so... The form of it is too natural looking. It looks too much like an actual human form. It looks like the toys were just melted down and recast rather than assembling to form something. Oh, man, it's... I really want to like this film, I really do, but they're making it so hard. I'm liking their idea for Golda, because he's a mech. Yeah, but why? why? Why do we want this? Well, because Rita's the Green Ranger, and he's no. got all the angry stuff, and... Oh, shed that mantle uh, of yeah. nostalgia, dude. It's not the nostalgia that's doing this to me, it's the fact that it doesn't seem good that's doing this to me. Everything we've seen in the trailer of uh, Rita, she does not look fun at all, she doesn't look engaging at all, she just looks... Well, cheer up, there are two ways it could have been worse. Uh, yeah. Reason one, it could have been made in the 90s. Reason two, it could have been made by DC. Oh, come on, it was made in the 90s, it would at least be fun. Well, yes, but 90s attempts at gritty things were very odd because they'd either be really dark, or they'd try to appeal to family audiences and end up being ridiculous as hell with all this pastel colours and nonsense. You're telling me that you didn't like Spawn? I'm sorry, I just did not like Spawn. How could you? You monster. What about bringing back Mast Rider? Do you think they'll ever do that? Like, go for a gritty, dark reboot. I want to kill myself now. You're welcome. I mean, come on, you've got... They won't have Dex 80s hair in it, so it'll be nice and modern. It'll be the typical fish-out-of-water thing. It'll be a bit like Thor. It'll be basically Marvel's Thor movie. No, it'll be Man of Steel. It'll be Man of Steel with uh, Dex. Why are you such a pessimist? Because you make me hate things, so I must make you hate things. But it'll be beautiful. It'll be great. It's not gonna be... Don't say it'll be Man of Steel. It'll be like (laughs) Thor. It'll be like Thor, and it'll have funny jokes, and people will have finished the film thinking, hey, I want to see more Master Rider. No one thinks that. No one will ever think that. And, you know, maybe the writers will be nice and Furbus will be a decent character. <laughs> maybe. Oh, um, man. Oh, man. I actually... You know what? I'll take it all back. I'm on board just to see what reboot Furbus would look like. What if the furries have jumped on the Furbus thing? No. You've cursed it now. They're going to find out. My Furb Sona. No. No. <laughs>
Oh, well, no. I mean, why would they? It's, it's a dwarf cosplaying as a Furby. Hey, look, we wonder why would they when any anything furry comes up. We've, I'm just beyond questing them now. Let's not talk about Dragon Pimp. Terrifying subcultures aside... Do you think they're like an, in, an insect version of furries and like common writers are their, first so, are their bug sonas? I said terrifying <laughs> subcultures aside... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking forward to the adaptation of Power Rangers. I think they could try things with it. They're going to be adventurous. Sure, the long-term fan base might not like it. Everyone has a dividing group when there are reboots. But it's okay. It's just trying to ride on the nostalgia that kids used to have. And it's there. It's obviously going to make a lot of money. More than Suicide Squad anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm on, I'm on board. I'm going to watch it. But I want to like it. I'm just not confident that I will. Oh, you're going to be Mr. Grumpy Face the whole way I, through. Look, okay, the original Michael Bay Transformers film burned me, okay? It, it hurt me in ways that no other film had up until that point, so um, excuse me for being cautious. Wait, wait, you expect quality out of a film that can't be replaced by Megan Fox and explosions? Yeah. Call yourself a man. Either way, they are projecting a lot of merchandise sales from it, and oh, yeah. it's likely we might get a sequel if it does well. Oh, we're definitely getting a sequel. These, it's going to make loads of money. I, regardless of quality, it's going to make loads of money. It, it's not going to be another fan, Fantastic Four, Fant Four stick, oh, however God. you meant to pronounce that. I Even though that it film do, existed. It does remind me a little bit of Fant Four stick, though. Just looking at it, it reminds me too much of it, and that's another reason why I'm worried. It reminds me of that and Chronicle a bit too much. On the bright side, if it does end up having a sequel made for it, there could be a new cinematic universe, and it could make a version of In Space eventually. They'd oh, make man. their own canon, there'd be this hierarchy of monsters happening again. Now, that would be cool. I'm on board with that, only only so that we can get a crossover with Michael Bay, Teeny Mutant and Turtles films. Oh my god, yes. I'll never understand why they made that, those two episodes. You know what? You know what that means? That means that all Power Rangers shows, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are there doing their thing. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are in canon with, uh, with Masked Rider. This, this is great. That's one way of putting it. A Splinter and Furbus separated at birth? <laughs> oh, with those costumes, you'd be, uh, you'd be forgiven for not telling the difference. Definitely. And so this has been the Spandex Power Armor Podcast with Kamen Ranger and Hypnopotamus Rex. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. This episode is brought to you by tokutoystore.com. Go on, buy those toys. You know you don't need money. Go on, bow to capitalism. You know you want to. Bye. Bye. Everyone loves Ranger Keys. You need more Ranger Keys in your life. What do you mean you run out of shelf space? Just chuck them anywhere. You don't need that. More. Clear out your sister's shelves. Take over the house. Suspend them from the ceiling. Make a shrine. Worship them. They are your gods now. Consume. Stay fabulous. Keep on riding. <laughs>